Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined as always by Raj Geary, Chris Calicut, and today our guest, USA Today's Josh Barnett. We're going to be talking about SmackDown Live for July 18th, 2017. Also going to be talking about Battleground, which is coming up this Sunday. Man, it's an exciting time. Uh, Raj, how are you doing, man? Good, how are you? Doing quite well. Chris, what did you think of last night's show? Um, I was slightly underwhelmed for most SmackDowns, but I thought it was a fine go-home show just to sort of cap off the storylines and prep for the pay-per-view. And uh, Josh, our guest today from USA Today and for the win, what'd you, what do you think of SmackDown? How was it for you last night? I thought it was pretty good, and I agree that it, they got done what they needed to get done to get to Battleground. I think they, they added some color, especially behind the women's match and some of the other matches that didn't really have a lot of storyline buildup to them that were just kind of matches put together. So I think they accomplished that. I, I just felt I don't know myself personally. I thought I thought it was kind of there for a go home show. It didn't it didn't make me excited for Sunday's pay per view. <laughs> we'll get to that. Seeing the Punjabi prison, Raj, that didn't that didn't. Do I, I mean, at least they were trying something. But uh, I think this Orton Mahal feud has just gotten stale, and uh, I, th- I think they need to move on from it. And and it sounds like they are. Yeah. Hmm. We shall see. So Birmingham, Alabama is where SmackDown was last night. Uh, started with the Singh brothers coming out, introducing Jinder Mahal, who did unveil the Punjabi prison structure and uh, really build up between him and Orton for Sunday night at Battleground. So, Josh, what have you thought of this feud and Jinder and Randy? Is it doing anything for you? I agree that it's time for it to end. I, I think this provides, I think the Punjabi prison provides a nice different different type approach to what they've been doing in terms of some of the other matches. Um, I'm just not feeling sort of the you came after my family uh, angle on the Orton side. I do think though that having Mahal win, which is what I expect in a match that's sort of ideally set up to be his specialty will help give him a little bit of a boost that, that he probably needs and help legitimize the championship run that he's had after there were some questions about why he even became the champion just, you know, two months ago. Yeah, it is odd him taking that personal angle with the whole family thing. I mean, acting like this is, you know, a stone cold outside Brian Pillman's house with a gun. This is not. Um, I mean, this is pretty low stakes by comparison. Chris, how about you, man? Have you ever felt really invested in this? I mean, I think it's it's given a little bit of motivation to Randy, more so than we've seen in the past few months. I mean, I think he's delivering his promos well. He's looked more motivated in the ring. Um, I like the visual of him climbing the Punjabi prison last night. I thought that was kind of a cool thing uh, because, you know, that kind of has to do with the outcome of the match. Um, so they previewed some things pretty well there, I thought. Um, I'm going to put some uh, Ricola and Vicks cough drops in uh, Mahal's mailbox as soon as I can get them to him. Um, but – Here's my last stipulation. We're not here to to peg anybody for doing anything, right? But I dare you, just dare you, Google side effects to your voice from different supplements. Just just do that for me. Chris, Matt Morgan's going to come out of nowhere and just <laughs> dispute you on this till the end of the earth. Um, I think the one thing, though, that was good about it was that they actually showed how you win the thing. I mean, yeah. it's been 10 years since there's been the first, the last one, and they were able to show how the gates go up on the side of the ring and how you have to mm. get over and there's no doors on the outer structure. In some ways, I thought they actually did well with that with the flag match as well, basically by saying you have to grab your own flag and run it up the ramp and put it past the finish line because there's a whole bunch of different ways you can do flag matches. So I thought, I thought they helped to kind of explain some of these stipulation matches that you don't see every day. 
Yeah. And, and make sure to, if, if you haven't checked it out already, check out our podcast from last month with Sean Devari, who talked about uh, the first, because you know, he was involved with the first Punjabi prison match and, and how it came up and, and them not really knowing where they were going with it at first and, and you know, how, how the structure ended up being made. The great Kali being pulled at the last minute uh, because his blood tests weren't back. And yeah, it, it was some interesting insight on that. But uh, so the Punjabi prison has its own music now. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, that was uh, that was different, kind of neat, and it's actually a cool looking structure. But what I'm going to need is some uh, nifty camera work to actually be able to see inside the yeah. Punjabi prison. Because um, I hope they have they bring back. You remember the old NXT, like almost like the football field cam that they used to have on early NXT that they would go around the ring with. I almost think they need that for this match. Well, I mean, I think we saw a little bit of that because you had the cameraman inside the first structure right. last night kind of shooting up at Orton, who was kind of looking down on him. I expect that might be, you know, I, I expect it might be somewhat similar to a Hell in the Cell type situation in terms of where they place the cameras. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the structure looks cool. Uh, and you know what? I, I feel like Orton and Mahal, their matches have been better than some of Orton's other matches lately. Uh they haven't been blow away great or anything like that, but they've been they've been pretty good. So it should I think it should be an entertaining match. I don't know if you finish with this. I wonder if you finish with the flag match. So you have the you know, because you're in Philly, they're doing the whole patriotic angle. At least with that, you have Cena going over as opposed to, you know, Mahal beating Orton again. But wouldn't that get Mahal the needed heat that he needs? Um, no, he still gets it. It's just not right. in the main event. Sure, but that'll leave the bad taste in the crowd's mouth, which is almost almost what they want, it seems, at times. Uh, yeah, but I, I feel like when you're doing the anti-U.S. thing, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely could. I just think, uh, <laughs> Cena, if you want to end with on a happy note, uh, you know, sure. Cena, his first yeah. match back, or is it? Oh, no, I guess it's not his first match back. But, um, but yeah, it, it just uh, it, it gives the uh, pro-USA ending to you know when they're doing that kind of a build yeah the anti-usa thing times three although with the kevin owens aj thing it's been you know it's been toned down down. yeah Yeah. that's the one they showed some restraint with you know (laughs) well and and part of that is because they don't really need that i mean those guys can just go out and and do it in the ring that you know i think people will be enthralled by what they see by those guys and sort of their actions in the ring that some of the the backstory part of it might be less significant um, in terms of motivating the crowd to be to get invested whereas i think in the other matches you kind of need that extra stuff to get the crowd invested yeah yeah some people are pointing out how the two punjabi prison matches so far have been awful True, but you know, one was Undertaker and Big Show, and the other was that was Great Kali and Batista, right? Was the second one? Mm. So, so. you know, you you have a good idea going in that those weren't going to be match of the year candidates. Yeah, I mean, God, I they can't close the show on Battleground with AJ versus KO, can they? I think that's going to be the hottest. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, they never do that unless, you know, you're up against a Clinton-Trump debate, you know. They, yeah. they don't do that. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. We've talked about this. It happens every time. Uh, but we are going to have the New Day versus the Usos on Sunday. So what better way to keep us uh, invested than seeing Jimmy Uso versus Kofi Kingston? Um, Josh, what do you think of these matches 
these variations when, hey, we got the tag match coming up. Let's put the guys in a singles match. Hey, we got the singles matches coming up. Let's put together some impromptu tag matches. Um, does this keep you invested or is it just pure placeholder matches like last night? You know, I, I think uh, I've been kind of going back and forth on whether the title change happens here or it happens at SummerSlam, whether they'd yeah. rather have the New Day as the champions going into, new, into you know, a New York market or whether um, and one of the, you know, the second biggest show of the year. So my inclination, though, is that we're going to see another kind of goofy finish here. And we're going to get another month of, of sort of pushing, pushing the ball forward until the title change happens at SummerSlam. That's my guess. Um, but uh, I, I think they potentially could be – it potentially could be a good match. But if they're going to continue this, they have to come up with something better than just the one team walks away because they don't want to fight them. Yeah. Ross yeah, I mean, what do, you, what do you do after New Day and the Usos? They have, like, no one left with American Alpha gone, you know, with split up. Um, I don't know where you go, so I could see this feud even going beyond SummerSlam. You know, I could see New Day winning it, and then Usos come back for return matches. So, um, you know, people always talk about SmackDown being better than Raw, but you look at the women's division, you look at the tag team division, they're doing the same exact thing storyline-wise. It's, you know, singles matches between the teams that are feuding, and then six-man tags. Basically seeing different variations of the same guys uh, week in, week out. Um, so... You see, you see this. It was a, a blow away. You know, it was a blow off match. I think it's clear the new date. You know what I wanted to do this week is kind of keep score. You know, we talk about uh, WWE math, and here you had uh, the Usos winning. So I think that means New Day's winning at the pay per view. So you know, using WWE math, the the, the New Day's winning. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what Sorry, I love. Yeah, what I'd love to see, and I don't think it's going to happen, is that we obviously sort of have this notion of this mystery team that's going to be involved with Brizango. Um, I'd love to see that mystery team be somebody completely unexpected and then put and then have them just kind of destroy Brizango and sort of push forward into a title match situation, potentially at SummerSlam. I'm trying to think if there's somebody at NXT that you could bring up in that role. I mean, the Authors of Pain still have the belts. I mean, we've seen that before, but I don't think it's them. I don't. I don't necessarily see that. Obviously, we have the horse, uh, which may or may not mean anything as part of the as part of the scene last night. The stuffed horse toy. So I'm trying to think if there's. I'm trying to think if there's some. You know, I don't know if this is. Is there some cowboy tag team from back in the day that's going to come back? Like, uh, I was trying to figure out if there's some other team that's on the horizon that can kind of fill that gap. And I'm I, nothing's coming to mind, honestly. Oh, I think it's going to be uh, Ronan Harper. So. Uh, doggone it, Glenn Steele and my thunder. <laughs> come on, Ronan man. Harper. I mean, you could do Authors of Pain. and you know, They've oh, done that please. before where people come in from yeah. NXT and then drop the titles uh, uh, later on because they could drop it at, you know, take over Brooklyn and yeah. and that's done. Because um, right oh. now, who else do they got? I mean, you're, yeah. you're saying Rowan and Harper and at least, you know, they get to use them. Uh, because other than that, the clones, one of them is injured. Um, the, the Ascension's been buried to death. And is are there any other tag teams? I feel like I'm missing one. Mm. No, I think that's... No. <laughs> I don't don't think so, unless you count the high bros. Oh, yeah, the high bros. Yeah, but that's not moving the needle at the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, so... Right. Yeah. Oh, so no, that, I mean, that's sure kind of why I feel it. like... That's kind of why I feel like it almost has to go one more um, because there's no other options. Yeah. yeah, to, yeah. to keep this title on the main show of SummerSlam rather than the pre-show, New Day and Usos have to have another match. It's one way or another. Um, 
But just back to your point, Glenn, on the singles leading up to the tag and vice versa, I mean, it's the easiest and laziest way to do it. But unless they actually give us a wrinkle with each of those matches to keep us interested, like right. that would be fine. But a lot of it is very straightforward. And by the time the pay-per-view gets there, a lot of us are already tired of seeing the combination. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we don't even want to see the match at that point. Right. And, and you could have done an Usos promo. These guys have been on fire, you know, since they've turned heel, I think, on their promos. I think they come across as uh, more real uh, than a lot of the people on the roster with their promos. So you could have done that as opposed to just another singles match between them. So Yeah. Oh, hey, that rap battle on paper sounded like a disaster in execution that was thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Right. You almost wonder if they had to do it over again if they would have flipped the order and mm. put the rap battle on the go-home show. Uh, yeah. as yeah. opposed to some of the matches. Yeah. I mean, that got me more interested in the feud, and, and this kind of deflated it a little bit. Oh, definitely. Um, so last night, lo and behold, all the women were backstage hanging out with Shane McMahon. Never seen that before. Never. Never. So you're doing this on Raw, you're doing this on SmackDown, just clumping all the women together. Yeah, I mean, it was an uh, enjoyable segment, but to build that all up for Becky versus Charlotte, I thought was kind of interesting. Um, we'll talk about that match in a moment, but, uh, first and, and yeah. real quick, Charlotte was such a superstar just a few months ago and oh yeah, just seeing her now, she's just miscast as a baby face and, uh, she's just too good for where she is right now. And they, they really need to, you know, come up with a singles feud. I, I really think Naomi and Charlotte should be in a singles feud right now, heading into SummerSlam. And that should be the match and not some, and they're, they're probably going to do a multi-person match again. Oh, no, no. I guess they announced that Naomi will face the winner, right? Yeah, it was, I actually talked to Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things I asked her about was the fact that after doing, what, 15 pay-per-views in a row where it was either her, her and somebody else for the title or, you know, the WrestleMania three-way, now she's in these matches with five and six people seemingly every month. And I said, you know, what do you like better? And she said, I want to win the championship, and the only way I win the championship is in singles matches. So while I don't, you know, while I'll do whatever they ask me to do, the idea of being kind of in these multi-person matches didn't necessarily thrill her with the notion that she wasn't able to kind of um, piece things together as well. Right. It's hard to move the any woman along when you're, you're just constantly clumped up in these matches where it's, it's hard to, you know, uh, create an individual storyline. So anyway. don't you think it's kind of a weird way to use all these girls? It's almost that they're trying to use everybody like everybody else's talents to get Lana over in this situation because they're protecting her with Tamina and everything. And she's avoiding the ring time. So it's almost like it's, it's, it's a weird situation that they're almost trying to get Lana over in this whole multi-woman thing. And when you say protecting her with Tamina, they are literally protecting her with Tamina. Very much so. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. that storyline has me so nervous for where that's going. Right. But the problem is that in some ways they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, right? Because you go over to Raw and then you get Emma tweeting about how it's her fifth anniversary with the company and she's sitting backstage and not doing anything. Yeah. Um, you know, you had, you had Nia Jax criticize creative when she wasn't, you know, when she wasn't involved in how, how much she loves SmackDown because everybody gets to kind of be involved every week. So at some level you kind of either have to develop the storylines for everybody or you have to be willing to accept the fact that the people who aren't part of the storylines are going to use their pulpit to express their displeasure. But why not, why not create more storylines as opposed to having just one, you know, as a raw only has one women's storyline, which is all the women are, you know, kind of in, in one feud. 
and same as SmackDown. Why not come up with some individual storylines as opposed to having to clump them all up? Oh, I completely agree with you that there should be more storylines. And, and obviously with as much program as they have, they should be able to figure out ways to do that. I'm just saying that if they're going to operate in this manner where it's either all right. or nothing, right. they, they have to be willing to accept the, the backlash um, from some of their own talent. Yeah. yeah. But the thing with this yeah, all or nothing is they've been doing this forever, you know, before the women's revolution. That's what they were doing. Really, right now, where, where they're, they are with the women, the only thing that's different from before when they were divas is that um, they have longer matches and uh, are able to do more gimmick matches. But storyline wise, they're, they're back to where they were. I mean, they, they, there was progression there with Sha Sasha and Charlotte and, and their feud. And, and then it's kind of gone back. And Raj Ashley Banks on the chat points out that Charlotte lost last night. So according to yours and WWE math, she wins on Sunday. <laughs> or Becky loses. It's one of those two yeah. since it's a multiple. Right. Exactly. But how, how's that going to work at SummerSlam? Because I, I really – do they have Carmella do the cash-in at SummerSlam against Charlotte after she wins? I mean, do you think a cash-in is imminent for Carmella being the first women's money in the bank holder? I, I don't think Carmella cashes in at SummerSlam. I think she, she's still got a little bit more character building to do. I don't think she cashes in until James Ellsworth comes back to help her. Mm. Um, so I think they're going to keep building her as a single until he comes back. And then miraculously, there's some continuity there. We'll see if WWE writing can pull that off some continuity. And, uh, you know, Ellsworth maybe helps her cash in on, on, a, on a downed champion, whoever that might be at the time. I mean, I, I think that the SummerSlam idea is a pretty good idea. Ellsworth will be back by then. Okay. And yeah, sure. uh, Carmella working with Charlotte, that would uh, help her improve greatly. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but Charlotte versus Naomi at SummerSlam, I don't think is going to be a really hot match without a cash-in. But then does Carmella win? Does Carmella lose? If they gave it a proper build, I think it could be. I mean, Naomi's the best athlete on the women's roster. Charlotte's the best wrestler. Uh, I think they could do a lot of cool things. What's going to hurt it is you don't have Charlotte as the heel. Yeah. You don't really have a heel in that match. But um, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't see the story. I don't see the story. I think the match will be great. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could just make it a simple story where Charlotte's out to, you know, she was the top woman on Raw and she wants to become the top woman on SmackDown. And, you know, Naomi feels that she's a top one. Just make it a competitive yes. thing as opposed to some hokey storyline. Well, there, there's nothing wrong with a babyface versus a babyface match if there's, you know, competitive nature involved. If they're interested in the championship, there's nothing wrong with a face versus face match. Right. Now, and, what and I hope charge. is that they don't do some weird schmas where there's no winner at this match, so they turn it into oh, a six-way at SummerSlam. Hey, you know. right. I also Josh. think, though, that Charlotte can be a babyface with an edge. Because right. of the of, of as much work as she done with the, she's done with a heel, I don't really see you know Naomi's trying to you know obviously last night in sort of her promo was trying to talk a little bit tougher per se, but I kind of feel like that you could do Naomi as sort of the straight baby face and Charlotte as kind of the edgier baby face, um, you know, given her background and uh, as a heel and sort of being able to push along the fact that that you know she obviously came up and had a massive impact where Naomi waited seven years for her first title reign. Yeah. I hope those uh, LED lights are removable from the belt. That's all I'm saying. If they're going to change that title at SummerSlam. Um, we saw last night the fallout from Jason Jordan being revealed as Kurt Angle's son on Raw. Inter a short interview with Chad Gable. Uh, Josh, what did you think of this? And what did you think of that, that reveal on Monday at Raw just while we have you here? I thought 
at best it was silly at worst it was stupid um so i was not a big fan of that but um it was interesting i was i was going back through some notes after it happened you know i had talked to both Kurt Angle and Triple H for a story we did in USA Today about the transition of amateur wrestlers into professional wrestlers. And one of the points that, that Paul made or Triple H made was talking a little bit about how there was some concern along the way that Jordan wasn't necessarily going to find himself as a main roster type talent because he was in developmental so long. And then Gable came along and really kind of sort of provided him a spark and, and really provided him with energy. And I've, I had the chance to talk to both of them together. Uh, at WrestleMania. And one of the things you notice is that I was talking to Jordan and it was kind of, you know, he was sort of the relatively flat in terms of personality. Then Gable comes over and all of a sudden Jordan just like lights up. Yeah. So I think, I think they, they knew all along that Gable was the guy who had the potential to be the star with the Olympic pedigree and all that. And, and I think now they're just trying to find, they were trying to find a way to figure out what to do with Jordan. And they figured the tie-in with Kurt Angle, given the whole is American Alpha team angle too, um, was sort of the best way to do it. Um, in hindsight, I'm not sure I wouldn't have minded seeing Dixie Carter. <laughs> you you could have, you know, I, I just don't think Dixie Carter makes any sense as, as far from a one-time pop. You know what you could have done is, here, just give me a minute on how I would have done this, this whole reveal. Um, settle, in, settle in, guys. Settle in, guys. All right. So you could have had someone that hasn't been used on Raw lately, who's upper mid card, someone like a Luke Harper or someone like that that got you know brought to Raw. This angle's been going on since May, so you could have done something like that. Uh, is constantly complaining to Kurt Angle about not being on TV, so you kind of got this side storyline, you know. And then Kurt's got this, and then the reveal is uh, Kurt comes out and says. You know, uh, I got to come clean. The person I've been texting uh, has been someone I've worked with in the past. And boom, you bring out Dixie Carter, right? Just a one-time pop, one-time thing. She comes out, says someone's been trying to get in touch with me uh, regarding, you know, uh, uh, someone that you dated in the past. And she's, you know, she had been the one texting Kurt about this woman trying to get in touch with him. And that he has an illegitimate son. She didn't have Kurt's updated info so she dm'd Corey graves who went to kurt kind of ties in everything uh she said she didn't she was worried about telling him because that would be a conflict of interest since he was raw gm and that uh that could cost him his job so he explained the whole my job could be on the line because they didn't really explain that and then you know boom jason jordan comes out it's revealed and then luke harper comes out and says you guys are getting all this time for this kind of crap you know i'm in the back calls Jason Jordan a bastard, boom, you got a, you know, Luke Harper, Jason Jordan feud, you did it. And it, you make it pro wrestling as opposed to like a, a Montel segment. So the one reason I, I, the one reason I thought it was going to be Dixie Carter when all those rumors started was to add another, add another uh, husk on the Vince McMahon wall of, of, <laughs> of fallen, of fallen rival promoters, right? Cause Heyman works for him. Bishop or Bischoff worked for him. And and now and then Dixie Carter. So I thought it would just be another another Vince type move to put her out there, even if it was just one time, yeah. just to again exercise or improve his dominance over the wrestling universe. Yeah. Now, Raj, as as logical as that sounds, do you think they would have actually thought that out in that far <laughs> of a scheme? Because that's a several week layer. You just built like a two month storyline in in two minutes, and, and that's giving them way too much credit. 
<laughs> yeah, but it would have wrapped everything up. You still get the big pop with Dixie. You still get Jason Jordan being involved in the storyline, and you get a feud with uh, someone you hadn't been using. So, it, well, it, let me it ask you this: so, based on where they are right now, where do you see them going? Who is Jason Jordan going to wrestle? Like, I mean, everyone's kind of tied up. Maybe Goldust. I mean, I don't. You know, who else is is not kind of in a feud right now? Yeah, I do agree. I know you guys posted Jim Ross talking about uh, how in his blog he saw that those guys could be villains pretty easily. And, and I'm just not sure that people are going to buy into the happy storyline of a father-son reunion. These guys are going to get can easily get booed pretty quick out of the gate, I think. No, that was, that was what I said on Monday's podcast. I said, slowly turn these guys heel where Kurt is giving Jason Jordan all these advantages and putting him on cards and like uh, other wrestlers are getting ticked off because they're not getting on the card or, you know, things like that. And you do kind of the slow, subtle build where Angle is favoring Jordan and uh, Jordan's getting all these opportunities. And so it's kind of a, a subtle heel turn at first and, and, and it leads to them being heels because Angle is way better as a heel. He, his role as GM so far has been lackluster. You know, yeah. we've been saying the stuff he's been saying outside of the storyline is stuff that anyone can say. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, and before we get to, to Gable's reaction, look at Jason Jordan, guys. Like, the guy's been in developmental for six years. Um, well, was in developmental for five before they got brought up. He was on but, the first uh, Full Sail NXT. The first exactly. I mean, he was in FCW, you know, right before he, even I followed that. But, you know, he's 6'3", 240. He has the look. He has the physique, you know. But this is almost, I think, almost a sink or swim for him. If it happens, it happens. If not... It might be time to, uh, you know, fish or cut bait. And I think to Josh's point, I think pulling it off as a baby face is going to be tough. I mean, they they didn't react big on Monday. I think they see it as kind of a downer, the storyline, and they might take it out on Jordan. But I think you you go with the heel turn, and then it could work, I think. Just, just spitballing here, what about what do you guys think about possibly bringing Shelton Benjamin back and teaming him with Jordan? Okay. Either that or even put him with Gable. Oh, yeah, like I think Gable, because here, here's the problem with Gable. I just I just think his size is going to uh, hurt him to where they see him as a top guy. And I think, um, you know, I think, yes, something with Shelton. Uh, you know, I almost, I almost think they could have done a heel stable with Gable, Jason Jordan, and Shelton, you know, on Raw. But I, I think Shelton being Jordan's tag partner, I just, I think, with the storyline, it's it's worth it to do a singles push for a while, try to make it work, and um, and then down the road, if it doesn't work, you could you could do something like that. They're really overlooking in all this, though. That and they even showed this because I went and watched the interview on the network with uh, Jordan and Angle. They're overlooking that when Angle originally was getting these texts, it, there was an almost sinister nature to it because he was so worried. Mm -hmm. Oh, this could tarnish my legacy. Who's who's doing the texting? And they dropped that aspect of this. So I wonder if that's going to come back whether it was Jordan or someone else that was trying to push this to the forefront, because I feel like that was in the buildup, but not in the payoff at all. Yeah. Well, um, I think but that being said, I thought Gable's promo here was really weak on SmackDown. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, it was like uh, kind of cringe. Super short too, which means that it was not going well. I'm a big Gable fan, but I, I, he, this was not his best night. No, it's unfortunate. Um, so we'll see. It's nice to see Renee. With stuff, right? Uh, Josh, what do you think of the talking smack being dropped while we're, we're talking about Renee? Um, I didn't like it because I think it it 
it robs some of the talent of another outlet to develop their character. But I also see from the company's perspective why, why it was done. Um, because honestly, if, if they spend a lot of time and effort with the writers building up somebody in a certain fashion and then they go on live television and just act completely differently or just take a complete left turn, there's not necessarily any place to go with it. Um, you know, you're sort of stuck and you have to try to reel it back in. So I could totally see from the, from the writer's perspective as to, as to them feeling like stuck when the when the talent just kind of goes off the rails in a manner that they want to develop their character if it doesn't fit in the manner in which the writers wanted to develop the character. Yeah, that's were, a fair point. I really didn't even think about it that way initially. I mean, there, were some great, there were some great moments, though, certainly. I mean, I think much of the Miz's rise in the last year has was fueled a lot by talking smack, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, think about Alexa Bliss after she won the title, you know, crying on talking smack, you know, or being tearing up and talking about it was the first chance for her mom to see her wrestle. That makes me like Alexa Bliss more. That's not what they want. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of examples like that where it feels like that the the storyline and reality kind of diverged in a manner um, because the the talent sort of did what they did on talking smack without necessarily it being so completely scripted. But with the exception of Kevin Owens, isn't that what they're all doing on social media anyhow? I mean, even seeing heels and faces hanging out together, taking pictures, you know, going across Europe. I mean, yeah, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman at, uh, <laughs> at the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, KO is the only one that maintains kayfabe on Twitter or on social. You know, I think it is to a degree, but I also think that there's also at that point a separation. You know, at, at the end of the day, if he got down to the legality of it, does WWE own each individual talent's Twitter feed and have control over what, what they say on there versus putting it on programming that they run and fund right. and with their, yeah. with their subscribers who pay for it? I, I think that's where it, you know, if you really got down to the brass tacks of it, I think that would be the question. Yeah, no, it's a good point, Josh. I just think, you know, to, to your point with some of the stuff that they said, I think it just makes them seem uh, – a little more human it humanizes them as opposed to feeling so scripted as you see on tv to where they don't come across as real on tv a lot of times a lot of the guys and uh someone like a baron corbin like you just feel like you just feel like he's reading uh, a lot of times Mm -hmm. on smackdown he's getting better with that but you just feel like he's reading whereas on uh talking smack he would still use that character but when he's talking he still comes across as an arrogant prick but you believe him more you believe that's how he really is as opposed to um these awful lines he's sometimes given right well i like it i'm just not sure the company likes it right yeah no for sure but it's definitely going to be different going forward and we'll see what talking smack after battleground is going to be like uh when uh who's hosting that it's going to be renee jerry lawler yeah yeah that'll be a different vibe yeah a little bit yeah so we'll see and i think vince will be in everyone's ear telling him what to say um so we'll see if oh, wait, it, I, nah, I, I, it might be daniel bryan jerry lawler's doing the pre-show i think no, i think jerry's doing smack uh t- jerry's doing smack jerry lawler's doing talking smack also i know he is online somewhere yeah i think i heard that as well i think yeah. yeah i remember lawler tweeting but i couldn't remember if he said he was doing both but um so i guess that means that daniel bryan's not doing it and i think he could be could have been part of the liability i mean i can't yeah. imagine <laughs> vince was stoked about a lot of the stuff he said but see but the fans the era that we're in i mean even the inside jokes about tout and stuff like that i mean the fans really love that 
it, it's a payoff, right? It feels like a, I mean, the great thing about fandom, especially in this in this modern era of entertainment, is that we want to feel rewarded for being longtime fans of something. We like the inside jokes. We like the the continuity and the history of things. And I think that was just another great outlet for that that's been removed now. You know, so we'll see. Um, so last night we saw Mike Kanellis in the ring versus Sami Zayn. Uh, Josh, what do you thought of all this, this whole power of love thing? And, and how do you think this feud is working out for establishing the, the Canelli, the Canellises, um, and keeping Sami Zayn's career going? I guess I'm waiting to see what more there is to what they are um, at this point. They love each other, and that's great. And they, you know, uh, show show their affection in very public ways and hold hands and kiss and all that. I'm just trying to figure out what's next for them. I think that's the, that's the challenge. And, and how does this translate? I mean, we saw Maria obviously is going to be involved in matches um, based on what we saw last night. Um, I see Canellis and Zane possibly being added to Battleground if it hasn't already been already. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think the question really becomes, they've given him a, a template uh, as a couple. And, and now I think I'm just kind of waiting and seeing at this point. Yeah. Raj, what'd you think? Uh, you know, I, I, I think there's too um, cartoony, too hokey, uh, too campy to, to be anything more than lower mid card. But if it's a way to introduce them and then down the road, you tweak their characters, uh, you know, uh, then you could have something, but the, this isn't going to get them that far. You know, obviously he's going to, uh, I forget, is he wrestling at the pay-per-view? I would assume that's, I mean, that's got pre-show written all over it if it's not on the main card. Well, they already announced the pre-show it is uh, Ty Dillinger, which oh, that's unfortunate. Maybe, maybe this will be the kickoff match of Battleground then. I, I mean, but yeah, I mean, they already, they already did the finish here, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see much for him right now with this gimmick. I don't, I don't see it going that far. It, it, for some reason, I just think of, uh, Alberto Del Rio and the Mex America thing, or it's just like, <laughs> it just, it's just something that people, it's some cheap heel heat, but it, it's not going to go far. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe this is not on there. So just the card is we have at the Punjabi prison match, Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton, the tag team championship match, the Usos versus the New Day, the flag match, Cena versus Rusev, the fatal five-way women's match to determine the number one contender, the United States championship match between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, and the match between Shinsuke and Baron Corbin with a kickoff show match of Ty Dillinger versus Aiden English. Right. And then whatever Brizongo ends up being. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to have the reveal That's there. True. So this is going to be a stacked night. Um, and who knows? I mean, with uh, Shinsuke and Corbin, the way that these have gone, I could very well see, you know, some attack during the entrance or some sort of way that that gets cut a little bit short. Um yeah, I, I actually think this is the moment where they need to do something with Shinsuke to get him reinvigorated. Yeah. Um, because when Corbin's already got the briefcase, it doesn't matter whether he wins or lose, he can still cash it in whatever he wants. And so I think this is the spot where they have to go full Nakamura um, in order to try to get him going, especially if we are headed to Styles Nakamura at SummerSlam. Yeah, and that was great last night, that little uh, exchange between AJ and Shinsuke backstage. I think... Uh... Mm-hmm. Very, very good impact with very little said. Um, so maybe the reverse of that, where there was a lot said and a little less impact. John Cena's promo last night. 
for the flag match against Rusev. Uh, um, the Civil um, High School War, Civics. Yeah, high Civil School War, Civics class. Civil War, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, go USA. Boom, Civil War was uh, an interesting topic to pick in the South. Um, I thought, you know, um, <laughs> like Alabama's like, woo. I'm like, guys, you didn't win. Um, you, you, know. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? It's kind of like that idea. It reminded me of a scene in the movie, like where someone's in debate club and they sit there and they just give this real patriotic speech. And then after, and they're like, sir, we were debating the merits of a flat tax. I don't see what this has to do with this feud that you're in. So he was rah-rah patriotism for, you know, the U.S. flag, but I really don't get anything, any heat between him and Rusev, this whole thing where it's, you know, the U.S. flag versus Bulgaria. It just seems this is very paint-by-numbers and kind of lazy. Um, this is the best way to ensure that John Cena doesn't get booed in Philadelphia. That's yeah. What this, that's what this is. Yeah. The big thing for me, I always feel uncomfortable when you use 9-11 in a wrestling promo, mm-hmm. you know? And and they did that, and I don't know. That just feels kind of, I don't know. Well, just if anybody's that, been the standard bearer for, you know, the whole patriotism, the whole politics side of the business, it's been John Cena. So if anybody's going to del- deliver that type of promo with those um, different aspects, I mean, it pretty much has to be him. Yeah. Um, no, I'm all for him doing a patriotic promo. but um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree completely. It made me a slightly uncomfortable and it's just one of those slight cringe moments that, you know, you bring that type of thing and it, it really doesn't fit. I mean, like we get the point that you're trying to make, but why bring this? It's 2017. It, you know? I felt like I was watching an episode of, of glow on Netflix. You know I mean? This was so throwback generic. Um, I, I almost wonder what, how Rusev feels about all this. Cause obviously he's not winning. And, you know, they waited forever to bring him back and he was cleared and then they waited some more. And then there was that sort of really odd thing that was cut short where he was only coming to SmackDown if he got a title match. And, and then now here he is basically in a feud from 2015 that we saw a whole bunch of iterations of, of stipulation matches between he and Cena. I just don't, you know, I just don't know. Maybe they just don't see any more in him other than, He's the, you know, Cold War era type guy. Um, I I don't know what they do next with him. I still say they should have brought him back as a baby face because the guy is hilarious on Twitter. I mean, he's awesome at one-liners. You know, he's great on social media. Uh, I almost wish they would have brought him back as a baby face. And uh, as you alluded to, Josh, when they were doing those little cell phone vignettes of him saying, I'm not coming back until I get a title shot. I want to talk. Hello, Chris, Chris? Is for me. Chris Rose. Uh, uh, I just think uh, someone's pointing out in the chat um, that uh, the the anti USA stuff is played out. Um, and I, this both the, this feud and the gender Randy Orton feud just seem like things from the eighties, and that's I just feel like it's not getting over big with the crowd because it just seems. Uh, so been there, done that. Now with Cena, he's so great at his promos and stuff that he gets people into it. But if it was anyone else, I think it, it, it yeah. wouldn't be getting over. I just think it's been done to death. Now the stuff that people are really into right now, big time on SmackDown, is the stuff with AJ and, and Nakamura. Yeah. And mm-hmm. at least, I mean, honestly, the Cena-Rusev thing makes the gender uh, anti-USA thing look sophisticated by comparison. At least gender has some talking points. Well, you the know? question 
the question though is, are, is really this Cena Rusev thing just a very short way in order for us to get to Cena gender at SummerSlam yeah. to basically, con- you know, continue this American thing? I mean, I, I know I'm scheduled to talk to Jinder tomorrow, but every time I've talked to him in the past, he always talks about that he feels like he needs to be John Cena mm-hmm. um, in order to be seen as legitimate. And, and you know, is that where we're going? I Don't think it's all. got to. I mean, it's clear that Cena wins here, and it seems like they just threw him in to have an opponent for Cena for for this pay per view. They, they yeah. threw Rusev in there. Um, so bring back Rusev as Big Bar Big Bartholomew from uh, South Pole. Oh. <laughs> well, the other thing is that you know we had this. We also had this John Cena as a free agent thing. So what exactly does that mean? I think yeah. that means that he's facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Is but who knows. Yeah, at least Jinder has some nuance. I mean, you listen to Jinder's promos, and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's like, well, he has some valid points there in his criticism of the U.S. We do preach diversity, but not always exercise tolerance. And I think, you know, there's something there. Uh, but with Rusev, I mean, it's just, boo, USA, Bulgaria, good. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, not, even, it's not even that sophisticated. It's and, it's, it, and it's odd because we're not at, we're not at war with Bulgaria. No. And uh, India is no. an ally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like when you did the anti-Canada stuff in the '90s. Like Canada's an ally. Um, yeah, it's not like uh, someone we're at odds with. So it's, it's so to bring the whole circle together. Ginger is Canadian. Yeah, and uh, there, <laughs> there he is. Yeah. So uh, speaking of what you do with people, Josh, what do you do with Becky Lynch? Uh, she went over Charlotte. It seems like we're talking about Charlotte and Naomi in the title picture. We saw Becky last night again, putting on a solid match. She got a solid portion of fandom behind her. But do you think there's a plan for her? in this uh, era of SmackDown Live and the women's division? I don't actually um, think there's necessarily a plan right now, but um, I I think, you know, I I think she would be the surprise if she turned heel. Mm. Um, I I think that might be an interesting twist for her character. Um, I think, you know, she's so positive and, you know, you saw her last night, uh, you know, kind of after the match talking about who's doubting me now, who's doubting me now. And, yeah. and I kind of feel like that maybe that might be sort of the line or sort of the tag of, you know, everybody thinks Becky Lynch is this great, you know, f- friendly, funny, high energy person. And maybe it's time for her to have an edge to that, to that and, and flip over to the heel side. Of course, the challenge there would be that um, what, where does that leave you as far as baby faces among the SmackDown women? Yeah. Um, you know, other, uh, other than Naomi and I guess potentially Charlotte. Yeah. Becky and Natalia seem like the two that don't have any momentum or trajectory right now. I mean, we yeah. got whatever's going on with Tamina and Lana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you could turn Natalia face too. She's a natural mm-hmm. baby face. Becky mm-hmm. needs a change of scenery uh, because she's gotten stale. And so I, I agree with Josh. I think uh, seeing her kind of becoming a heel would be different and something uh, and her, her and Charlotte, they're best friends. They work great together. I mean, that could be a, a fun feud as well. Yeah, let's let's not take away from this match. This match was really good. Was um, I thought, you know, originally I was calling for, you know, like a four or five minute teaser because I wanted to see this match on pay-per-view at some point, not on a random SmackDown. I, I was not looking for a conclusive finish here at all. So I was hugely surprised that Becky got the clean win. Um, but in respects to Becky, I mean, she's just kind of like the work rate babyface at this point. She She works with everybody. She makes them look good. Um, and, and that's kind of her role, and I don't really see a, a long-term plan for her right now, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So based on the booking of this show, we got uh, <laughs> W math. We got well, Charlotte's winning. 
you got to add Rusa. You got to add Cena winning because Rusev got the better of him here. Yeah. Uh, either Charlotte's winning or Becky's getting uh, Becky's getting the pin, uh, losing the pinfall on Sunday, and uh, the New Day are winning. Yeah, I could see it happening. Jeez, at this point, I don't even have to watch. I'm mean, taking. <laughs> yeah. a, taking well, a hat we, on, they didn't really tip that. They didn't really tip the hat on Jinder and, and Orton. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Man, I'm curious what what the watch rate's going to be on this uh, this pay per view battleground coming up. Thankfully, I, I, after I this, just we got... sense no interest. Like Great Balls yeah. of Fire two weeks ago, there was a there was a pretty, re- I mean, not oh. even a pretty good buzz. It was a really good buzz for a B show. Yeah, and no. it had the name. Yeah. <laughs> That's... You know, uh, let me just bring this up, and this is something I've actually talked to people with the company about: is that the way this is structured, SmackDown always gets the second pay per view of the month as opposed to the first pay-per-view of the month from a date standpoint, which means that SmackDown always has the smaller window to build toward the joint shows, Mm. to build toward SummerSlam, to build toward WrestleMania, to build toward Royal Rumble. And sometimes I wonder if that hurts it because there have been cases, I mean, we're going to have, you know, four weeks here between this and, and, uh, and SummerSlam, I believe. But sometimes I really do wonder if, if some of the story development on the SmackDown side gets, for the bigger shows, gets hurt by the fact that it's always the second show of the month. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at WrestleMania, four and a half of the six hours of the card were Raw matches. Um, and I think it's going to be a very similar situation for SummerSlam. I mean, you have maybe your Nakamura styles or something of that nature. You might have your two or three big matches, but I think maybe even like the tag team titles with with New Day and Uso still being pretty popular, they might even want to put it on the pre-show just to get people to order the, the main show. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be kind of an odd situation. I'm, I'm interested to see how the card's laid out by brand. And, and I think it's clear. I mean, it's been clear for a while that SmackDown is the B brand again. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they ever tried pushing them both as A brands. It was like for a bit there, it looked like Raw was A, SmackDown was B plus. But now it's clearly the B brand as far as importance and and uh, how many important matches they get on a pay per view. And um, every time, you know, last time they did it, eventually, you know, they ended up merging the brands back together, and and that killed a brand extension. So uh, they're kind of repeating their same mistakes. It's actually been interesting to see. I've been looking a lot at where geographically they're running the different shows in terms of size of markets. You know, mm-hmm. SmackDown has been running in a lot of, you know, four to 6,000 seat arenas, um, you know, other than the pay-per-views. And, and Raw's not necessarily running every huge arena in every town uh, or running every big town either. But I do think it's interesting as you look at sort of that A-B metric in terms of what towns are they putting the various live events in. Yeah. Very true. We lost Glenn there. Uh Oh, Uh, (laughs) Uh, so so what was uh, what was next? I believe that was uh, the main event. I think is all that's left. Correct. The tag main event with um, Owens and Corbin versus Nakamura and Styles. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was that was it. Let me take a look here. Yeah, I'm pulling it up as well. Yeah. Um, Oh, we had the Brizengo. Sketch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, what do you guys think? And Josh, let me ask you this too. Um, what have you thought about the different, um, I guess, parodies of classic shows that Brizongo has been up to? 
I actually find them to be pretty funny. Um, I've enjoyed them, although I guess I'm a, a probably around the age where a lot of the Miami Vice stuff resonates. Um, you guys all look like you're way younger than me. Um, but the uh, the uh, that's my so I've enjoyed them because they they resonate with me. I'm not sure in the you know 22 to 28 range they mean that much. I, I don't think I'm I'm that much younger than you because I, I grew up on those shows as well. And uh, yeah, I, I get I get a kick. I've, I've been getting a kick out of them. I, I sometimes I think less is more as as you know not doing them every week. But you know they've they've taken full advantage of this and, and gotten themselves over. Now yeah. they're kind of seen as a comedy act. So how far that'll get them? Like does that get them to the tag team titles? I I, I don't see that happening. But um uh yeah, I think they've they've knocked this out of the park. And I thought this was another entertaining one. Yeah, and I mean, Breeze is another guy who's been around for a long time, sat in developmental for a long time, came up, and then they didn't necessarily have a ton for him after early on being on Raw quite a bit. So, I mean, he's another guy who's kind of taken the opportunity to sort of reinvent his character a little bit and, and sort of take another bite at the apple on the second pass through. In fact, Breeze, as Mike Dalton, was tagging with Jason Jordan on the first mm -hmm. episode of NXT from a full sale. There so you go. Look at you. Wow. That's how far back they go. Um, but no, this is great, great for Breeze, uh, great for Fandango. But yeah, I hope this payoff uh, keeps them going as opposed to just... It'd be, it would be hilarious if we're the Authors of Pain, though. Like, oh my God, Authors of Pain came in on a build-up feud with Brazongo, and then we're in... I mean, that's just a, would be a hell of a way for them to enter SmackDown. But uh, I'm thinking leaning more towards Rowan Harper being the reveal, something kind of disappointing, and I think Brazongo will be the one that gets momentum out of it. It can't be. It can't be Harper's Ascension, team. right? What's that? It can't be Ascension because they, they said they were just teasing. Yeah, they they were teasing that they were, but they really weren't because they just wanted a spot on the card and they wanted the pay per view check. It could so. be. It could <laughs> be. It really was them all along. Since yeah, aha, uh aha, -huh. uh -huh. hey. which Not would twist. suck. But I, you know, you don't. Again, outside of bringing in someone from NXT, I, I don't know who else you got. I mean, Rowan and Harper, you could do that, but I just think it's a step backwards. For I mean. At least they'd be on TV, which is based on the handwriting. I saw some backwoods, um, marshy looking <laughs> handwriting on on the package marshy, that was delivered. Mar marshy handwriting. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that, Chris. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about the main event last night: AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Baron Corbin and Kevin Owens. Um, Josh, what did you think of the match? I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it kind of got you, you know, it was typically what they do before a pay-per-view where they take two singles matches and match the guys up and, yeah. and go from there. And I thought that's what happened. It was indeed that. Uh, Raj, what'd you think? It was fine. I, again, I think I've kind of seen so many variations of this. I feel like I've seen Nakamura and Owens in the ring together already about like half a dozen times, even though I know it's not quite there. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a match that doesn't, really mean anything it's kind of standard stuff um and you know it was over i think again wwe math aj has beaten kevin owens at the pay-per-view mm -hmm. but it didn't get me particularly excited about the pay-per-view i always feel like that go home angle should be something that makes you really want to tune in and that didn't happen here yeah, yeah. no it was a shorter fast-paced match which um was good for the live crowd and, and i enjoyed it uh oh hold on one second i've got something going on on my here we go. Chris has yeah, they, they didn't use the full right. half hour like they usually do for the main event. They went a little shorter this time. Yeah. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. I had something running in on my speakers there. But um, 
No, it was a fun main event. And here was my main point out of this whole match. Baron Corbin gets to work with those three guys who have been around the business for many, many years, have accomplished many, many things. So it can only be a good thing for Corbin, who's still you know relatively young in his career, to work with these three guys, even if it's just in a tag match main event. So I thought it was uh, it was good for him. Yeah, and we'll see how that uh, plays yeah. out Sunday at Battleground. Um, so for Go Home Show, we talked about at the beginning. This did what it had to do. As mentioned, there was no talking smack. Uh, that is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, we shall see. So we covered the crowd. Uh, we covered the card. We talked about it. Any wild card predictions for Sunday night? I mean, Raj has go- walked us through the booking math. Pretty much, we feel like we know who's winning. Raj, you need like an abacus there, and just yeah. you know something to go back and forth. All right. So with the math, we got what five winners or or four winners down. And so I, you know, I think it's clear that Shinsuke is probably going to beat Corbin, and Jinder uh, is beating Orton. Yeah, Josh. Uh, uh, I think I agree with what you just said. <laughs> I think I think Jinder is beating Orpin, Orton. I think Cena is beating Rusev. I think um, I think there are a couple of ways they can go in the women's match. I think we could see another sort of delayed result relative to the uh, tag team match. Um, yeah, I, I mean I don't know that there's an obvious surprise because honestly, if you're going to do a surprise, well, I guess if it was a surprise. It wouldn't be obvious. A, but um, if, if there's a surprise, I'm not sure why you don't just hold it for SummerSlam. Yeah. Yeah. And if there is a surprise, I think it comes out of the women's match. I think everything else is kind of by the numbers um, and pretty much laid out there for us. Um, and obviously it would be a surprise if um, the, some of the predictions we've already made don't come true. So I think if there is sort of a something out of left field, it comes out of the women's match. Yeah, and the only thing I, I mean, I don't see a way that Oscar gets involved here. I mean, that really oh. would only be the obvious, the potential big surprise there. I think, um, yeah. but you know, I, I don't see how that happens here. Yeah, we shall see. Um, I think uh, I'm curbing my expectations for surprises. I think the biggest surprise will be maybe Ryan Phillippe will show up on commentary to promote Shooter back on the USA Network. Um, <laughs> Because I don't know who else we got that can make a surprise return at this point. Um, yeah, they don't really, they don't really p- p- pile the surprises on the the B shows. So. Yeah. Well, we'll find out who's behind uh, the whole Brazongo thing. So that's something. Um, speaking of uh, surprising rumors today, Raj, what's this with the rumor about Brock going back to the UFC? Yeah, uh, there was a thing on BJPen.com. Uh, there was a. This, the talk MMA Twitter account, they've broken some stories in the past, and they're saying that uh, Brock Lesnar put himself back in the drug testing pool uh, with oh. USADA and that uh, he's looking to come back to MMA and, and fight in the uh, on the November show at Madison Square Garden. Um, again, this is a rumor, um, but they're saying they, they were at himself and Paul Heyman were at UFC headquarters during International Fight Week earlier this month, and yeah, I mean that would be uh, that would be something. Josh, you co- do you cover much MMA? I don't. Um, obviously, our partners at MMA Junkie handle most of that, um, right. and, and so I'm not I'm not a huge MMA person. Um, that would surprise me, but as long as their money's green, I guess anything's possible. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean the first time surprised me. You know when he fought Mark Hunt, so. 
And then obviously with his more lenient uh, WWE contract, this would not be an issue. He would just need to take some time off and probably come back at uh, Royal Rumble season because his contract goes through at least, was it next WrestleMania, Raj? Yeah, through through April, right. Okay. And I'm sure they'll renew him. Uh, so I, I don't think that's the end of Brock and WWE. Um, but yeah, I mean, he made a ton of money for that first fight, so... Mm-hmm. I could see it definitely happening. Well, well, I guess right. He made a ton of money until they stripped all of it for the positive drug test, right? And then they, <laughs> and then they flipped it back, right? After well, that. they strip, they they cut some of his fighter pay, but his bonuses and the pay per view points, he got all that. So okay, uh, yeah, so he got a lot from that. And Mark Hunt was very uh, upset with how much Brock ended up making mm-hmm. off that fight. Because, yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, even after the the fines. Mm. And guys, another, I guess, rumor, I guess, unsubstantiated at this point, uh, some possible more superstar photo leaks. Have we heard any more updates on that, Raj, at all? I have heard that Paige is one of them again. Mm. Man, oh, man. And, of course, you know, we got the story up about... Well, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> there was a Kevin Owens one, but I think that was fake. And Kevin Owens kind of yeah. blasted that. So, so um, just uh, when it... All right. So we know these superstars are in such a public public light. When are we going to learn to keep a our photos either? If you're going to do this type of thing, right, keep it backed up on something. You have to be smart about it. So I mean, they just I know they've held what what conferences or classes or something backstage for the talents on how to protect themselves on this. But people just have to be smarter with with their content. Yeah, and that goes across the board with everybody. But- but 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 yeah. being said, it's not like um, if there are new things coming out, it's not like it got hacked. Now it's that this was all from the same round of hacks that happened with all those celebrities due mm-hmm. to an iCloud backup vulnerability two or three years ago, and just now the the hackers who traded them in private circles now they're coming out to the public. So it's not like somebody yeah. hacked page's phone again this is just more material from the original hack that we're seeing now so that's in slight defense to the superstars gotcha yeah so uh i think that's a wrap guys covered everything uh josh thanks so much for being on the podcast today where can people find your stuff on the internet oh this was great i really enjoyed it and i appreciate uh talking with you guys um you can mostly find my stuff at for the win which is ftw.usatoday.com and uh, obviously i am on twitter at at by josh barnett and uh, obviously also in USA Today, uh, occasionally we uh, end up on the main site. So, and uh, we've actually got a, a couple of fun projects we're working on WWE related for the summer before SummerSlam that I'm really excited about. And uh, hopefully everybody will get a chance to check those out. Awesome, guys. Uh, Chris, Raj, thanks so much. Great to see everyone as always. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. We'll be back here Sunday night right after Battleground ends on the network. Myself, Matt Morgan, and Raj Geary talking about all the highs, all the lows, all the surprises, perhaps. So until next time, folks, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.